Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Pensapolitics, Mr. Watson. I am your host, Christian Watson. Christmas, 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 man. Christmas is one of the most special holidays of the year, at least in our culture it is. And for many of the us believers who do believe that Christ, his conception into this world, and the grace which that would eventually bring, and the shedding of the blood, the sacrifice that would eventually bring as well, which liberate all of us from our imperfections, which liberates all of us from everything that makes us less whole. All of us are in debt, us believers at least, and even those who don't believe, I believe. They're all in debt to that sacrifice, and Christmas is a day where we commemorate that. Even though I don't think we should... <laughs> I think that Christmas is really a superficial day to commemorate that. I think that Christ was... Christ's birth was not originally on Christmas, but still. We are commemorating the occurrence, regardless of the day. The temporal date matters not, but the occurrence is what is at the center of our understanding, of our appreciation, our adulation of that hallowed event, of that hallowed moment. So I'm happy that all of you are here on Pensapolitics today. And this is going to be a very different episode, my friends. A very different episode because... Most episodes, I will sit there and I'll cover the news. And I'll give you a philosophical take on the news. But there are just some times that I want to talk to you as a person. Because pensive politics is not an experiment in how regimented and rigid I can be and how robotic I can be. Pensive politics is an experiment in the philosophy of politics, which is inherently, in some way, shape, or form, tied to the ontology, the philosophy of ourselves, who we are, nestled in the seat of our hearts, which go up and comes to our mind and pours out grace through our mouth or woefulness through our mouth depending on what our mindsets are about because if your mindset is in the wrong place your mouth can pour out woefulness this is why the, in the ancients and in, in the ancient texts say that life or death can spring from the tongue because you have a power hidden within your ability to speak hidden within your ability to process high abstract concepts through your faculty of reason and then excuse those concepts through your speaking voice you have a power a a special power almost a divine power to shift and change perceptions with the tongue but when the tongue is ordered towards a lower ordered idea towards a lower ordered nature it can be used as a devastating weapon it can go from a tool of healing a tool of rejuvenation a tool of all kind of things to a tool of devastating woeful baleful power that is wielded against those whom you may in that moment have derision for. Who you may have a black heart for. But. It's. With this power that we have my friends. It's important that we act and we speak grace. We act and we speak mercy. We act in the spirit of and we speak those positive concepts. Not into reality, but into our situations. They already exist in reality. I'm not molding reality with my tongue. Reality is an objective constant that is 
the outgrowth of several principles and rules that are outside of me that existed long before I was even born, before you were even born, when the dawn of time came about. That's what reality is. As the as as as, as many of the ancient philosophers believed it to be. As Heraclitus, one of the pre-Socratic philosophers, said that reality. Well, not yet. He said that this is the universe is composed of logos, and this logos, which is a word we use for logic these days in the rhetorical sense, but it's different, kind of different for what Heraclitus was meaning. This logos is sort of the center pin, the linchpin of everything, and the reason why people don't understand the truth. And Heraclitus believed the truth was a higher, it was objective, it was constant, it was beyond us, was because we had too much private understanding. He said men are captured by their private understanding, and their private understanding blinds them from the truth. And so connecting that to what I want to talk to you about today, the news is not the only thing I want to cover. I want to talk about me as a human being. I want to talk about how I'm doing. I want to talk about, you know, the guy who you see behind this microphone who's talking, who's giving you or hopefully giving you value, who's hopefully broadening your mind to understand certain things. That's what I am going to spend this Christmas special talking about. Because Christmas is not just a time to recognize Christ's birth. It's a time to recognize the principle behind Christ's birth. The birth of Christ into the world was the first and only time, if you believe in Christian theology, that a flawless being passed into reality. And archetypally, that flawless being shed some of his flawlessness upon us so that one day we may be able to aspire beyond our base primal human desires, beyond that rage, beyond greed, beyond hate, beyond uh, violence, beyond these things which a lot of us are, are either naturally predisposed to do or have been habitually taught in our culture to engage in. I guess I shouldn't say greed, because greed, uh, I suppose greed can be either a negative or a positive. Uh, Excess is the problem. When greed becomes excess, that's the problem. And I suppose greed is excess, so I guess greed is bad. Excess is the problem. But whereas excess is the problem, I don't think moderation is a solution. You know, but there are just some things in which we as human beings experience, but we don't talk. We don't talk. We don't want to talk about it at all. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to talk about it at all. So, as I reflect on the birth of Christ. Let me also reflect on that external flawlessness, which is not incumbent and inherent to me as a human being, but which is incumbent and is inherent to his example that I can take down from the heavens and I can call upon myself into myself. And even if you don't believe in Christ, if you believe in something else, if you're a spiritual person, most spiritual ideas include 
a higher point and a lower point and a middle point. We're in the middle point right now. We can get to the lower point quite easily. It's harder to get to the higher point. That nirvana in the Eastern religions, that nirvana we're all constantly aspiring to, it's hard to get, but it's easy to be put on the lower totem pole and do something that is absolutely despicable and that can harm your chances at becoming that perfect being. It's very easy. Because that is incumbent to our humanity to do that kind of stuff. To act that kind of way. It's incumbent to our humanity. This year, for me, my friends, in reflecting upon that example of perfection, and then reflecting the intellectual inquiry, that inquisitive spirit, that perfection and quiet, that perfection has, back on to me, this year has been something else. At the beginning of this year, I was a sophomore in university. I'm a junior now. I had, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, had, I didn't have much money. <laughs> I didn't have much money. I was racked with self-doubt. I was racked with sadness. I couldn't see beyond tomorrow as effectively as I hoped I could. But I was always a visionary. I always did say, you know what? My circumstances right now are pretty bad. But I won't let those bad circumstances dictate how my future is going to be but I was not I was never sure of my future I was never sure of my future then the virus hits oh my <laughs> that threw everyone into a fervor into a scare and the virus would eventually also Claim my grandmother, which happened a few weeks ago. And I'd be sitting there thinking to myself, you know, Mr. Watson, life is more than just an obstacle course. Because an obstacle course is training you for something greater, an end goal. Life is not about necessarily reaching an end goal. Because that would be to deny the grace and the dynamic nature of life. Life is about embodying every single experience you have. And using that experience to craft a path. An endless path which never truly ends until your expiration date on this earth. But then again, I believe in the concept of eternal life. I believe that we go on after this earth. But still, I respect you if you don't believe that. So in the more mundane and secular sense, life is not about reaching one goal. Society has primed us to believe life is about reaching one goal... In your life, having a career, getting money, getting a house, getting a car, maybe having some kids, then retiring and leading a legacy. That's not life, dude. That's not life, guys. <laughs> if that was life, 
it would be an incredibly boring and uneventful affair. That's not life. No, no. Life is what happens when you recognize that every experience you have, bad, good, or indifferent, is crafting a higher understanding for yourself, which positions you to grasp just how deep life is, just how complex life is. A lot of us reduce life to money. A lot of us reduce life to expediency. A lot of us reduce life to status. A lot of us reduce life to all this superficial gobbledygook. That's not life. If this year has taught me anything, is that the pursuit of status is not life. The pursuit of adulation is not life. The pursuit of validation is not life. <laughs> it's not life. No, no, no. Life is what happens when you recognize all that stuff which is killing your spirit and therefore is in a sense, in a metaphysical sense, killing you. All of that stuff is secondary, tertiary, and all the other classifications lower than primary. It's all those things to the main objective in this life. Examination. Socrates did say, the unexamined life is no life at all. He didn't just say that to make you think about some cool philosophical quote in a different way. No, no, no. Because when you examine, you guys know, aren't listening to me. When you examine this life, and you examine it for what it is, When you understand this life, and you understand it for what it is, you're doing more than just inquiring. You're experiencing something amid your examinations. Do you get me? You're experiencing something amid your examinations. There's something special about that, people. Life is about experiencing what it means to go through that questioning, through that doubt, through that pain, through love, through reconciliation, through reciprocity, through unrequited affairs. That's what life's about. Well, Christian, you got it all figured out. No, I don't. None to you, Mr. 50-year-old, 60-year-old, or 70-year-old. None to you. No one has it all figured out. Anyone who says they do is lying to you. No, that's bullcrap. I'm just telling you what would relate to me by my experiences and how I conceptualize my experiences in light of things that objectively happen. Lived experience is not everything. But if I can find patterns of this experience with other experiences that connect to a higher concept, then I can therefore ascertain some kind of objective value about what I'm saying.
if I can ascertain objective values, I can go beyond my, my, my lived experience and reflect on the external just like Christ did when he went on Calgary and was pinned to that, to that cross, given a terrorist punishment for simply speaking against the orthodoxy, simply speaking the truth. But of course, being able to lay it all down and amid all of that, love his captors, love his transgressors. Embrace that divine spirit of love. <laughs> amid all of that, Christ was able to do that. That's an example for all of us to hold on to, my friends. And so... That's how the year started off, a lot of, with a lot of pain. Then in February, I started what you're listening to right now, Pets of Politics, with Mr. Watson. <laughs> and why do I call it Mr. Watson? Because, you know, I have an insecurity. For a good majority of my life, I haven't liked how I look. I've always compared my looks to other people. I've always compared my marketability in the romantic realm and in the social realm and the dating realm with other people. I've always said, you know what, Mr. Watson? <laughs> Why in the world aren't you having the success that John is having or Jack is having or Jill is having or Tina is having? I mostly compare myself to guys because you get, you know, you know why. You guys know why. And this insecurity really handicapped my ability to do a lot of things. It took away my confidence a little bit. Did a lot of things that I didn't appreciate. And so I reflected onto myself. I said, you know what? Listen here, Christian. There's nothing wrong with how you look. There's something wrong with how some people in society conceptualize how you look. If I was sitting up here before all of you doing my orations with a boyish baby face and some sandy blonde hair, whatever, whatever is in vogue these days, I don't know, whatever they put on the cover of magazines these days. If I was sitting before all of you with that kind of complexion, with a very, very squeaky voice, <laughs> I highly doubt I would be taken as seriously as I am with this weathered, experienced complexion, which reflects the deepest contents and the most authentic contents of my experience and my soul. I trust that all of you, every single one of you, care more about this, the heart, than you do anything that might be outside of that. But if I was trying to sit here and fight these demons in our political discourse, 
the demons of collectivism, the demons of leftism, the demons of progressivism, the demons of, of victimology, the demons of nationalism, the demons of racism, the de demon. If I was sitting here trying to fight these gro these groper demons, these I don't know the, the socialist demons, if all all these demons that are just congregating and trying to take away, weep our understanding of our individualities, reap our understanding of who we truly are as human beings, reap our possession of our personal autonomy conferred upon us by God through those divine rights, life, liberty, and property. If I was up here with a different complexion, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. So in the end, I thank goodness. I thank God for how I look. In the end, I'm very happy I look this way. Because in, in all of you who may be struggling with anything, each and every one of you possess something divinely special about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, as Joyce Myers would say. And you should never, ever, ever, regardless of your belief system, think anything less of yourself. You're wonderful. As Bowie would say in Rock and Roll, that song, Rock, rock and Roll um, Suicide, rock and roll, rock and Roll Suicide, you know. Time takes a cigarette and puts it in your mouth and pulls on your finger and another finger and a cigarette. Beautiful song. But there's something about that. Time is taking something that is bad for you and putting it in your mouth and it's pulling you and it's tugging you and it's making you uncomfortable. But guess what? In the midst of that discomfort, in the midst of that sickness, all of that, you have something special within you that you can take and you can use to fight against men. You guys don't hear me. I'm not trying to be Tony Robbins, but I'm just trying to tell you something. Pensive politics. What is the first phrase? Pensive. Pensive. It requires us to be a little bit more introspective, a little bit more personal. And to get personal and to get real with yourself is to be really down and dirty with yourself. It's to confess that which you may be ashamed of. It is, man, you guys are ready for this. <laughs> you guys are ready for this. That's why I call myself Mr. Watson. Because the complexion and my experiences in life confirm me the ability to say Mr. For some people, it doesn't work. For others, it does. But whatever the case might be for you, I'm certain of one thing. Each and every one of you have a Mr. or Mrs. within you. And what I mean by that is I mean each and every one of you have a distinctive thing that can define you in the fullness of yourself. Man, define you in the fullness of yourself and allow you to wear that on your sleeve, to be, to be vivaciously, optimistically, comfortably you. Be you. Because I love you.
I love you to death, whoever you are, wherever you're listening. I love you. All right, everyone, welcome back, Pence Politics, Mr. Watson, on our Christmas special. Welcome back, my friends. Um, so we're talking about a lot of things, actually. I talked about a lot of concepts in that before the break. But, you know, I was talking about how unique you are and how I love you because of how unique you are. Not just because you listen to me. You could listen to it whoever you wanted to listen to, and I would still think that you're a unique person. Yeah, I don't know you technically, but still, I'm getting to know all of you. I'm getting to recognize all of you, and I really appreciate that. Because, again, you're making this 20-year-old dream come reality. And so if anyone, anyone asks me, well, Christian, what is your Christmas like? My Christmas gift is all of you. And Dr. Borshenko, I appreciate her immensely for, <laughs> I mean, giving me the platform to speak about my experiences, experiences that I wanted for a long time. Would anyone even care? Would anyone, anyone even give me a passing glance? I mean, <laughs> but all of you have said, Christian, what happened to you matters. Christian, your experiences turned on a light within my own mind, within my own life. It gave me something that I was lacking or that I wouldn't get a question about. And the many of you who have reached out, who have talked to me, bless bless you. Thank you so much. And so back to the chronology of this year so far. I started uh, I started my podcast. And I had no clue. I was shooting in the dark. Because before that, I had just been writing. I had spent a year writing for free. I had no solid income or anything. Well, I had some income, but not too much. For the, the freshman year of my college experience, I spent the entire year writing for free. The entire year. And thankfully to the help of the organization that I was with, I was able to land place, places like USA Today, Washington Examiner, Washington Times, The Advocate. I was able to land some great places. But I was not, and this is probably a limitation on my part because I never, I didn't see beyond the writing. I didn't see beyond the words on the screen. I was not able to cultivate my voice in a dynamic way, in a powerful way that went beyond the text that could appeal to all of you like this. And there were times where I was like, Christian, you're a terrible writer. Christian, you, you don't have this. Christian, look at people who write better than you. A Christian. Some people would say, Christian, no, you're you're too intellectual. A Christian, you're not one person said to me, and I'll never forget it. Christian, neither of us go to Harvard or Princeton. Stop talking how you talk. <laughs> neither of us go to Harvard or Princeton. Quit talking how you talk. And someone else told me, they actually messaged me on Twitter, and they're like, Christian, has anyone, has anyone ever told you, Christian, that you speak in too complex of a way? I said, uh-oh. He said, yeah, you try to make yourself sound smarter by how you speak. Really, dude? This is news to me, because I thought I was speaking in a way that was authentic to me 
and myself and my commentary and my values and my views. This person says, oh, I believe you, but if you want to get in places like, you know, and he mentioned a few publications, then you should really, like, stop speaking like that. And this is a problem in your writing. And I'm like, well, like, can you give me can you give me examples of an article or two articles or three articles that you find to be problematic, sir? He said, I can't do that right now. I'm like, okay. But he said, your tweet here to me said this thing, and it's too complex. Were that simple? And I I realized something. I'm saying, hmm, interesting. So you were able to engage my tweet enough. To determine that it was too complex in your verbiage. Which must mean that you got something out of the tweet. Even if it wasn't what I hoped you had gotten out of it. You extracted something of value. So wouldn't this mean that if someone of your caliber, good sir, can extract something of value from this tweet, that others who may enjoy this kind of language, would also extract something of value from this tweet. I guess that never occurred to him. But it's been a year of barbs and arrows towards, you know, a lot of a lot of transformations. Towards a lot of transformations in me, in my life. That's what it's been. Am I a victim? Absolutely not. Every experience I'm talking about right now, my friends, has informed me and made me better. Even if in the period of time the experience didn't feel good, if the experience didn't sound good, it has made me a better person. My God, a better person. (laughs) And so this Christmas, give the gift of love to those who may have wronged you or those who may have doubted you, you know. I had someone, you know, someone, same person say, well, you know, Chris, I'm not sure how much this is going to appeal to people. And ha ha ha. And I said, okay. And after the influx of followers came in from Boroshenko and everything, that same person hadn't said a word to me. What did Emerson say? Emerson said, don't, for, don't worry about what people say. Do your work. Don't worry about institutions, customs, norms, all that. Don't worry about rigid procedures. Just do your work. Do your work. Let this, that heart shine in everything you do. Do your work, and I shall know you. That's what Emerson said. That's precisely what he said. Do your work. Do your work, and I will know who you are. So I said, you know what? Forget all these eminent writers telling me Christian too, too deep, Christian too that, Christian this, Christian that. Forget it. Christian, do your work. And the world shall hear. You shall have the course and the approbation of your peers. Do your work. Do your work. I'm doing my work right now. I'm doing my work right now. Big in, big out. Little in, little out. Reality is like an input-output table. If you put in a certain amount, you'll get it. You put in a certain amount, you'll get it. You may not get everything you want, but you'll get that. You'll get an equal amount back. Big in, big out. So give the gift of love to your doubters. And tell them, you know what? I want to thank you immensely for texting me, for calling me, for talking to me in the manner that you did. I want to thank you. 
Because that doubt you exerted upon me has just helped me reach my next level. A level you didn't think I could reach. Give that gift to them. Give that gift to love. Pour love out onto them. Don't give them hate. Don't say I told you so. Don't brag. We don't brag. See, humility is the zenith of progress. When you can be, when you can recognize that you don't have to boast. You don't have to appear to be higher than you actually are. When you can subordinate yourself beneath, away from your primal human desires, you have progressed. Don't brag. But tell them thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, man, you doubted me that one time. Thank you. I mean, that really hurt me one time. Thank you. Thank you. That is the greatest gift any of us can give to our to people these days. The gift of thank you. Seriously. And so, after Pence of Politics was released, I just didn't, I had no clue I was assailed by all this doubt. I had, I just had this idea that I was going to fail. I kept asking people for their approval, their opinions. I kept asking people who weren't doing what I was doing for their approval and their opinions. And something just hit me and said, Christian, just do it. Just go out there and work it. Forget about them. Go out there and do your work. As Emerson said, do your work, dude. Do your work. You got some wisdom from these people, from Thoreau, from Emerson, from Lao Tzu, from these from these ancient authors you've been reading. And they're all telling you, go ahead. Do this work, dude. Do it. I went to, I went ahead. I did the work. I got Joshua Wong on the show, Nobel Peace Prize nominee, who was arrested recently by the Chinese government, by, the, by, that, by that, that dragon of chaos that reigns over the East with an iron fist. Was arrested recently by that, by Xi Jinping. But his, his example and his, his moral tenacity should inspire each and every one of us to stand up to oppression and tyranny whenever we see it. Not when it's efficient for us, not when it's convenient for us. Whenever we see tyranny, whenever we see oppression, whenever we see those specters arise from certain circumstances, whenever we see forces of evil arise, it is upcoming upon us in the example of Joshua, in the example of Jesus, in the example of Cicero, in the example of Socrates, in the example, my God, in the example of these great men of history. In the example of that Van Morrison who just rose up against the diktats lockdowns over in the UK. In the example of these figures, it is incumbent upon us to rise up and say no more. Thus far, no farther, no more. No more. That's what Joshua did several times with the Umbrella Revolution. And then also with the protests 2019 which have still gone on and still carried on. That's what he's done. And we should be thankful for that. So after Joshua got on, I got the Libertarian presidential candidate Joe Jorgensen on. Then I got Spike Cohen on, her vice presidential running mate. Then I got Nicholas Sarwark on. And it just kept going. And I began to realize, Christian, 
Guests aren't what make the show, you make the show. So I began getting behind this microphone and this camera and giving 30-minute monologues. Then Brian Hyde, who runs the network that I'm on right now, God bless you, Brian, you're an awesome person. You've been the brightest light in my life this year, one of the brightest lights in my life. He said, Christian, you have the talent, you have the ability, you have the gift. Come on my network and be on this live radio thing. Now Brian Hyde had me on. I was doing not 30 minutes, about 49 minutes every single day. Actually, it was not every single day. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Then Joseph Carey, um, Glenn Beck's former chief of staff, who also was on the network, the Pat Barber Radio Network, he also called me up and said, Christian, the only reason you're not seeing the growth you want to see is because you have not done enough. You need to do a show every single day. So I went on from doing a show every 30 minutes a day to 49 minutes a day. And I went on to produce like crazy. And the growth, whew. Then I labor for, for for months to get Kane, Glenn Jacobs on, the, the wrestling star on. He finally comes on. Now I'm laboring to get other big names, so I won't, I won't reveal to you quite yet, but who will be coming on soon, I'm, I hope, I pray. And so, at the beginning of the year, if you had told me by Christmas time, Christian, you would have an influx of followers. People would be listening to your podcast, to your videos. People would, would believe in you and care about you in a way you never thought of. If you had told me that, I would have said, you're lying to me. You're stoking my fantasies. Never do that. But no, 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 no. I was lying to myself. I was deceiving myself. <laughs> Ooh, I was deceiving myself. I've grown tremendously. I've grown tremendously. And I'm so grateful that I have. And I'm still growing too. I'm just 20. <laughs> I've grown tremendously. I've grown tremendously. And one of the things, my friends, that we have to understand is this show is not about being a cultivated, perfect, manicured version of Christian Watson who can speak like a robot and never make a flaw. This show is about you seeing the raw, unfiltered Christian Watson, the good side, the bad side, the indifferent side. This is about seeing me, who I am as a human being. So if I share something with you, I'm sharing it with you for a reason. I'm sharing it with you because I don't want you to have a perception of me or an idea of me that is not me. I'm going to show you who I am. What did Jack White say? He said, you're the one who holds the key to the prison. You don't you you make your own lot. You don't have to listen to anyone else who's reading your obituary. Well, let's forget obituaries for, for now, but still, the first part of that is pretty good. No obituaries, but the first part of that is pretty good. You got the key to this prison. Unlock it and make your own story. I wasn't gonna let someone else do it for me. So if you have any image in your mind of me, I'm giving you the resources and the materials to have the correct image. Now, if you go on and you make an incorrect image, I can't stop you. There are people who attacked me on Twitter, actually, for supposedly killing my grandmother. Because I was, I'm was i against mass mandates, and my grandma unfortunately passed due to COVID. And so a bunch of leftists attacked me. Oh, you killed your grandma. Like, no, I didn't. Uh, actually, I didn't engage. I didn't engage. And there are so many people I know who would have engaged. I didn't engage. I just held tight. 
because I understood the kind of energy they were sending towards me and the level at which they were operating, the sort of irrational, um, ideologically and moralistically possessed level they were operating at. I could never, I would never be able to get down there because I'm not going to degrade my mind, I'm not going to degrade my faculty of reason to go down to that level. So I had to make two choices. You either do not engage and stay at your level and operate at your level, or you're going to go down to their level and become just like them and have everything you have built up consumed by that fervor, by that irrationalism, by that emotionalism. And I said, no, no, I'm going to stay right here. You don't have to engage every moving target you see. Sometimes a target is simply there for you to gauge your progress. The fact that there were so many people just coming at me was there for me to gauge just how long I had made it, just how, long, just how far along I had made it. Another development that happened this year, I got on Newsmax TV, BBC Radio London. I've done so many things that I thought would be impossible. And it's all God. It's all... People are going to... Look, if you unsubscribe or whatever because you don't want to hear about God, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to preach to you, but this is just how it is for me in my life. You don't have to be a believer to like Prince of Politics or to be a fan of mine. I have friends who are non-believers. I have friends who are who are Wiccans. I have friends who are Buddhist. I have all kinds of friends. If you are a kind person, I will I will exude that Christ-like energy towards you because Christ had all kinds of friends too. Christ just didn't hang out with the people who were all manicured and holy and posh. Christ had friends that were in the ghettos. Christ had friends who were in the temple. Christ had friends everywhere. And if I can be a light to anyone, I'm going to be a light to someone. But if you are offended by my talk of God, then you can just turn me off because it's not going to stop. I'm not going to use that in my political arguments because I think that secular arguments are the best to make in political arguments. But when it comes to my personal experience, God is indispensable to my walk in this world. So if you don't like that, you can go. You can go. God is indispensable to my walk in this world. And everything I have accomplished comes from him, through him. Who the strength he gave me on those days where I was sad and I just didn't have an energy to do anything, he gave me that strength. On those days where I was just discouraged, that strength, that that inspiration, man. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Me. You. You too. Yeah. He meant, he meant that for you, too. <laughs> I don't chalk any of this up to my own power. And so my goals... Look, I aspire to eventually, in the next year, I want you guys to be able to see me on a network like Newsmax or One American News or Blaze TV or some network as a regular, full-time, talent-giving political commentary. That is the ultimate goal for my podcast and my YouTube channel. And even after, I, if I get one of those networks, I'm sure I, I, I think I will. But let's keep prayers up. Prayers up, hopes up, and faith up, and work up. If I get on one of those networks, I'll still be sure to do my YouTube channel or keep it maintained. It's not going to go away. But I just want to do everything in my power and my human ability 
to make sure that this voice is amplified. So that the truth can get out. Not so that I can get out, but so that the truth can get out. The truth. I'm simply a vessel, an emissary for ideas. Christian Watson is not who you need to be paying attention to. Pay attention to the ideas that come out of my mouth. This is not some sort of narcissistic ploy. I am in this for the ideas, my friend. My goal is to also, within the next six months, grow this channel by 5,000 or even 10,000 more subscribers. My goal is to have more and more people of note, and people who may not be of note to you quite yet, but who will eventually be of note to you, or who have the chance of being of note to you, on my Politics podcast for an interview. My goal is to continue to touch all of your hearts and minds to ensure that you guys are thinking in the right way. My goal is to make sure that you guys are inspired and lifted up by my example and lifted up by other examples which you may not see modeled in front of you often. My goal is to be the best person I can be in this journey. Ultimately, my goal is to beat back the tide of collectivism that is coming out of the impending progressive administration and is being signaled by all of their choices, whether it be their vacuous, shallow cabinet appointments, which are basically being picked because of their racial complexity and not because of anything other than that, or whether it's their insistence on on, on believing in victim uh, ideologies such as white supremacy uh, being so powerfully rooted in the American system and systemic racism and there being, as Kamala Harris said, two systems of justice in this country for black people and white people. Whether, regardless, I am going to be there to fight up against it. And I will also be there to fight back against people like Nick Fuentes and the Grapers who dare to malign people because of their skin color, who dare to malign people because of national origin, who dare to malign people because of their arbitrary characteristics, which mean nothing about us. All of us bleed red. All of us are human beings, which are animated through the life force of natural rights. My goal will be to be there and to speak these truths and to push back these tides, which threaten to clash into American politics at the same time and destroy that which we held to be true, that which came out of Constitution Hall in Philadelphia, that which we understood the nation to be founded upon, that which came from the polemical mouths of Patrick Henry, of Thomas Paine, of John Jay, uh, all of that, I am going to defend all of that, and more, and then some. But I need help. <laughs> I need help. I told you guys when I was at that rally in Atlanta, and I was talking to a 26-year-old Fuentes supporter who told me interracial marriage was not a, a good thing and other things. I was fight. I was intellectually fighting him for a, an hour or so, and I felt like I was casting out a demon. I felt like I was doing an exorcism against that, 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 that guy. And I think we won because I made him think about his preconceptions. I made him consider his positions. I engaged in that Socratic method. I also engaged in a polemical method too. Polemicism backed up by intellectual fury. Not just polemicism that is just that, that is just bound by anger and emotionalism. Polemicism backed up by logical argumentation. I felt like I was casting on a demon or something. It was like an exorcism, I swear. But we have to keep doing that kind of stuff. We have to keep loving these people, but telling them why their ideas are wrong. We have to, we have to, we have to, we have no choice but to.
none. None, no choice. My friends, if you all could help anyone or help me or whatever do that, through your continued support, your love, your adulation, your criticism, your tough love, doesn't that always be pretty? But if you can help a little 20-year-old like me do that, then bless you and bless your heart. All right. Well, Phil, look, thank you for making it this far in the episode. I didn't know I was going to go on for this long about this stuff, but I love all of you. Um, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get them. Please subscribe to us. If you could rate us on our podcast, that would mean, it would mean a lot to me, truly. If you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, Christian Watson, um, the Fed by Ravens Media Network, subscribe to them, please. Whatever, wherever we are, please subscribe, please support, because this message is dynamite and we need to get it out there. We need to make sure that people understand. You don't have to think like you're in second grade. You don't have to believe in talking points. You don't have to believe in this superficial airbrush politics. All you need to believe is that you are a human being. You have you have natural rights that come from something outside of you and that you will use them vivaciously in the context of the American experiment. All right, guys, I love you. And please, forever and eternally, stay pensive. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. I love you. God bless.